This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. <clears throat> You're listening to the Sands Pants Network. Home of comedy, <laughs> culture, <laughs> adventures, and ghosts. Hello and welcome to Scaredy Boys, a podcast where three cowardly friends discuss horror movies. I'm Damien. I'm Sean. And I'm Tom. And for this episode, we watch Scream 4. Scream 4 is a 2011 American meta slasher film directed by Wes Craven and written by Kevin Williamson, and is the fourth movie in the Scream franchise. We once again follow Sydney Prescott, who returns home to Woodsboro as the last stop of her book tour. Unfortunately, Sydney's appearance also brings about the return of Ghostface, putting Sydney, Gail, and Dewey, along with Sydney's niece Jill and her friends, in danger, forcing them to figure out who's reinventing the deadly game before it becomes too late. Damo. Can you please just read the opening description mm. of the, the name of the film and then the writer and the director, please? Just one more time mm-hmm. for us. Happily, happily. All right. Scream 4 is a 2011 American meta-slasher film directed by Wes Craven yep. and written by Kevin Williamson. Thank fucking God. Oh, my God, yes. Kev. back. Good yeah. to have you back. And it's good <laughs> it's to have so Scream good. Kev. back. Kev, Kev. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck yes. Uh, he was very happy to be back. I've got a great Wes Craven story that came from Williamson. I'd love okay. to share it with you. Oh, please, brother. They had a bit of tradition um, on the ones that Williamson worked on anyway, so not including three, but they mm. would sort of, Wes would hire like a van or like a bus and take the important crew members around on premiere night and they would hop around to different cinemas and just sort of sit in for various parts of it. Oh, that's it. Go somewhere and watch the start. Go to another place and watch the end, just to see it with an audience to see the reactions. That's so good, awesome. yeah, love that. Love yeah, that. and he said it was like one of the best things that he's done. This mm. is Williamson, and he said when you watch the start of the movie, there would always in every screening between one and like five people would get up and leave. Okay, because I don't know whether it was too much for them or they were just like whatever. And he said every time Wes Craven would chase them out of the cinema. Catch up to them and demand to know why they were leaving. <laughs> oh, that's oh, so good. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Uh, Imagine being faced with Wes great. Craven being like, hey, why'd you leave my movie? Well, yeah, the other funny thing too, because directors aren't movie stars. Right. You know, so a lot of the time people wouldn't know. Yeah, sure. To some people, it'd be like this old crazy guy shaking <laughs> you and be like, where are you going? What are you doing? And they'd be, they wouldn't even know that they've met Wes Craven. <laughs> Can 
I say, I know that he's died now, but to be honest, if you put Wes Craven in a lineup in front of me and said, pick him, mm. no idea. I don't think I could. <laughs> JC, I could pick out Carpenter. If yeah, you put yeah. Carpenter in front of me, I'd be like, it's the guy playing Xbox. That's the guy. <laughs> I love, this is probably my second favorite of the mm-hmm. of the franchise. Weirdly, I think I saw, this is a, I think this is the second or third one. Like, I don't think I saw them. I saw one. Mm. And then I think I saw four and then saw two, three, I think. Yeah. It's a good way to do it, probably. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird way to do it. But uh, yeah, I, I did. I did uh, I've always enjoyed it. It's one, one thing I like about it. We talked about it in the last episode that there's none of the stuff that makes Scream Scream, which is the talking about horror films yeah. and the, yeah. the genre. This comes out 10 years after the third one. Mm. And in a decade where, in an era where everything's getting remade and rebooted, and they've just been like a, a nightmare remake, mm-hmm. there have been a Friday the 13th remake, everything's getting redone and it's not amazing. Mm. And then Scream comes out and it's just a movie about that. And it's like this. This comes out at a perfect time. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Wes. Yeah, I, I, I really like, I said number three was like walking into a room with someone who just farted in. This was like walking out of that room into fresh air <laughs> after having spent too long in there. <laughs> like e- even when you guys suggested we do Scream Toba, I, w- I was excited. And then we watched three and I wasn't excited anymore. And we we're like, we've got to watch more. And then this one comes on and it is like, yeah, it is pulling on everything you we loved about the first two. It's speaking to the genre. It's speaking to franchises, like you just said, Tom. And it does it all beautifully. And like, I even loved the new cast. I really love that we've got all these characters that are stand-ins yep. reinvented for pre... Like, that's such a great idea and really well delivered. Yeah, it was fucking great. Sean, yes. you have the floor because you're a fuckhead. So. Well, <laughs> put it this way, Thomas, and I know I've hurt you. That's right. But... I watched three and four pretty much back to back, maybe the next night. Right. And three disappointed me to such a level that I was just kind of burnt out when I started four. Mm. And I don't, I, I personally don't think it's a great movie. It is significantly better, but I probably gave one two stars and this one two and a half. So I didn't give it enough. Like in retrospect, I look at it and I go, nah, it does some good things. Yeah. There are, there are some things that I like. I do want to read you my review though, because it, it centers on someone who I want to speak about. Yes. Okay. okay. So I gave this two and a half stars and I wrote, David Arquette is simultaneously the worst actor in the world and the best actor in the world. (laughs) And sometimes his best and worst happens within the same scene. Sometimes it's within the same line delivery of a single sentence. (laughs) And I can't help but respect that. And I'd like to discuss that because I I do believe that. I think he has moments where he actually takes your breath away. Yeah. Because you don't expect anything from him. <laughs> and what he's delivering is pure shit. Right. Like, scream three levels of oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're looking at it and you're like, David, I just want something better for you. And then two seconds later, he hits a beat or a line or a word so beautifully mm. that you're just kind of like, oh, holy shit. Yeah. He's fantastic. Yeah. He's amazing. And also shit. Get get him an Oscar. I don't think that's possible. No, no. He's like, yeah, I, I agree, Sean. There are moments where like we talked about in the last episode, but like he's like he's shit, but you don't hate him for being shit. You don't feel like he doesn't deserve to be in these movies. These are his movies as much as anyone else's. But you want more for him. And then, yeah, he turns around and all of a sudden he's doing something that works. And I can't even say what it is. And I like, it's like what we talked about in the last one where he kind of sits in this, in the weird same area as um, Nicholas Cage, where it's, I think it's because of the choices he makes. So sometimes those choices 
dog shit. They're the worst choice or just a, a choice that hasn't been thought through to any degree. It's almost like he's just in the moment decided to do this thing, like his bad double take in, in three. I like this because what this is is a good actor, a Daniel Day-Lewis, if you will, <laughs> makes the right choice nearly every time. Oh, thank David right. Arquette okay. has the potential, yeah. but he just makes poor decisions. In yes, exactly brain. right. And then every yeah. once in a while he makes the right choice and it fucking works. And you're like, okay, yep. now we're talking. David Arquette is the Nick Kyrgios of acting. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. If he could just, if he could just for a yeah. movie do it, he could be amazing. But he's not interested in being amazing. He's interested in being David Arquette. Yes. Yeah. And he gets, I tell you what, he gets some great shit in this that I just, that the whole, his whole thing where he's like fighting with working out, trying to be the man that he's supposed mm. to be for his wife. And that stuff's great. Him basically being torn between his job, his wife, and a woman who wants to fuck him so bad. <laughs> and he has no interest in her whatsoever. Yeah. Because he's a good like, man. He's a good boy. Because he's a good boy. Like, it would be so easy for this movie to be like, oh, he's going to be seduced mm. by Hicks. No. He's just not interested. Yeah, yeah. She's just super horny for him, and he's just not in there for Well, like, I even love that the woman who's super horny for him is his stand-in in this movie. So it's like, yeah. if he was into it, he'll be wanting to basically fuck himself. Yeah. She's she's great, too. That that whole sequence yeah, where yeah. she's standing outside the office and won't mm. let Gail Weathers in. Yeah, yeah, And they yeah. just have that, like, fight. <laughs> even the way I love that, like, the, way, the minute I'm like, Oh, she's actually doing a great job at being Dewey from movie one is when she's like walking around, she's kind of got her shoulders a little too stiff, a little too up. And she's sort of like marching around. Like, I'm like, that's Dewey. I'm looking at Dewey from the first movie right here. You're just like, <laughs> you're a doofus. Everyone sees it, but you, because you think you're a bit cool. It's great. For me, it's such a shame that all the love in Dewey's heart is wasted on a character like Gail Weathers. Oh, yeah. And even so in this, are we to believe that they've been married for like, there's a 10-year gap in this movie. So, have they yep. been married for about 10 years? Yep. And yeah. She's moved to Woodsboro. They don't behave at all like a married couple in this film. Like, not even one mm. bit. There is one shot, I think, of them, like, waking up in the same bed or whatever. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. That's the only, like, only little sprinkle of, like, husband and wife right. about the whole thing with them. It's weird. To be fair, when they get married, the proposal is, I know this isn't going to work. So. <laughs> hey, but it's been 10 years. Yeah, I know. I think you also need to look at their actual marriage in real life. Wasn't it basically ending at the time or had I th- ended I think they to- might have already ended yeah. I'm not sure on the time so like I know that they're fairly amicable but I think it was still pretty fresh and that like they I think I read even that they'd purposely avoided having too many scenes of them actually like face to face because yeah, yeah it's tough <laughs> so yeah I I agree with you it's they're such a strange I mean they've been a strange pairing since day one like they're such the craziest couple both in movie and in real life. You're like, mm. I can't just imagine anyone marrying David Arquette, but like, I don't know. It just feels like if he ne- almost, maybe he does need to fuck himself. Maybe he needs to marry another David Arquette and that makes sense. <laughs> I, the idea, Damo, the sentence, hey, maybe David Arquette needs to fuck himself <laughs> is incredible. <laughs> Speaking of incredible, we mm. talked on like Hicks is the new Dewey and this whole cast of new sort of, it's a, it's a reboot sequel kind of whatever yeah and you get this cast of just great teens again mm. who have who are, who are the same but also it's like having an entire teen group of randys every single one of them <laughs> is a randy like yeah they all know, they all know how movies work they know how phones like they're all they're way savvier than their parents were 
And so it just gives you some really interesting and nice beats between them all. Yeah. And you like them. So when they are in danger, I am scared. I don't want them to die. Yeah. Uh, I, I want them to survive. I also, like, I particularly love that beat at the end where uh, Ghostface is talking to Kirby and they're doing the trivia game. Mm-hmm. And she just lists, like, 30 remakes. Yeah. And it's like, I got one of them right. Like, one of them has to be right. Right. And it's like, ah, oh, that's why Wes Craven made this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think that this is the best effort since the first movie for making likable characters. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't you say, like, second one had some some good ones, I'd say. Third is just, like, an absolute swing and a miss. But th- this was all right. I think the second one, because it's mostly the same core cast, mm. plus a few extras who all die... And because some of them, they're doing that thing again, though, where they're trying to make you think who the killer is. Right. Whereas in this one, they very clearly set up that you think it's going to be the boyfriend. They very clear, like uh, Trevor. Yeah. Yeah. Which which is the complete opposite problem to three, mm. where they you don't know who it could be. This one, it's like it it looks like Trevor, and you're like, ah, oh, so it's going to be someone else. Yeah. But then it it looks like it's still going to be Trevor. And I will say this, I think it's a great twist. I think it's a really interesting reversal of what we're supposed to see. And apparently, this was how the first movie was supposed to end. It was supposed Ooh. to be Sydney was supposed to be Ghostface. Oh, wow. Okay, that's um, super interesting. I think, I think. So, yeah, so that's that's basically what, what this one is, is it's the Sydney, the yeah. girl who's at the centre of it all. She ends up being the killer. Mm. And it gives us my favourite sequence in the whole film, which is when Emma Roberts... Beats the shit out. We talk about someone fucking herself. Hmm. She kicks the shit out of herself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just stabbing herself, throwing herself through the table. Yeah. Just real, real Johnny Knoxville stuff. <laughs> she's very committed to the bit. Yeah, she's really going for it. Look, I've got mixed feelings about it. I think it's a really nice twist. I think, yeah, having the final girl actually be the killer, it's great. And it plays so well into this movie, which is purposely giving you these sort of... Um, these, these archetypes for characters, but then twisting their part that you think they're playing in this movie. I think that's great. I do think, and this is a this is a problem with Scream across the board for me, where they just have it that like anyone can happily be a psycho killer. Yeah. And I can't help but like, obviously these movies, are they're, they're so meta and everything like that. Maybe you're not meant to go to fully commit and go all the way in, but it does create a disconnect for me where it's like, the reasoning behind these murders are pretty thin for them to just be stabbing away at people who they know are innocent. Like the the I like if you've got someone who's a genuine psycho, cool. I think Skeet or whatever his name is, Skeet Ulrich in the first one was meant to actually have some psychopathic tendencies. Yeah. Where from there on out, especially in this one, it's like no, I'm a bit upset by this thing, or I think it'll be cool to do it. Like, it's just these people who are happily like, um, what's his name? Rory Culkin. Rory Culkin kills his best mate yeah. and is happily like, oh, I got a really good video of that. Like, that's insane to me. Like, I get that if he was actually set up to be a psychopath or or even just like a sociopath, then cool, I can get along with it. But it's literally just like, nah, he's a movie nerd who thinks this is like what's going to get get him to go viral. Like, to then go and murder your best mates and happily like just stab anybody. Like, how, like the fact that they think every character in this world is so lacking of empathy that they can easily just on the smallest trigger become a psychopathic killer, I... I have a real issue with that. Yeah, they don't consider it, I think. I think they just think, ah, whatever we... They give themselves room to do anything they want to do with it. Yeah. And it's a carryover problem, mainly from the third one, where everyone was psychotic. Right. Yeah, it's it's one of the main things that frustrates me. Mm. I See, my thing is, weirdly, they prove themselves to be like sociopaths. The fact that they're so fame-hungry that they will do anything to become famous, including kill their family and friends... 
that's for me. I, I buy into that. I'm like, oh yeah, you want this so badly that you're willing to kill. Well, obviously you're not. Oh, you're unhinged, right? And I also, I, I, I don't know. I just love that the final shot is of the people outside calling her an American hero, and she's dead inside the hospital. Yeah, yeah. And it just I like fades that. in. That's nice. But uh, yeah, I, I buy into completely. I'm an idiot though. So I <laughs> think <laughs> I like, I like so much about these these movies, and like I think when Scream is doing Scream. At its best, it works really well. And I think this movie mostly does do that. Like, I love the meta-ness. One thing I really, really loved was the two cops talking about cop movies. I thought, <laughs> yep. oh, all right, give us a little taste of what you've been doing for horror movies for the last, you know, four movies. Give us a taste for cops. Love it. Love breaking that shit down. And then two idiots. Yep. Two idiots talking movies. And then, like, then it's kind of like because they've acknowledged it. Again, this is what Scream does really well. Like, is it going to go the way they've predicted or is it purposely now going to subvert it? I actually don't know. I don't know what's about to happen now. So, like, that stuff is great. It's that great bit where, where Anderson says, um, I'll, I'll be right back because he's going to do it. And then he just stops. Yeah. And Adam Brody's like, see? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wes, Wes thought he was going to get fired because of the way... Uh, does, Anderson gets stabbed in the head, right? Yeah. He does, yeah. yeah. Straight between the eyes. Wes had watched a documentary, some hospital documentary, where someone had come into the hospital with a knife through their head like that and they walked oh. in and were, like, still alive. And he's just like, I just thought it was fascinating that you could still be alive and speaking yeah, after that happened. Yeah, that is fascinating because I literally had a note that, like, the stabbing rules seem really inconsistent where someone cops once to the belly and they're, like, they're done immediately. They're, like, dead. Yeah. Where you're like, no, I'm pretty sure you can survive uh, abdominal wounds for a bit longer because, obviously eventually it's going to kill you but not straight away like a vital organ like obviously yeah you can do without digesting for a couple of hours before you die but that one i'm like stab in the brain that feels like mm. instant death but okay it's, apparently not it's interesting to watch because watching it i was the same as you i was like no way yeah but then yeah. he's watched a fucking documentary where it happened to a guy and he's like i want to try that out brave to do it and assume that everyone will go with it right, right but i think right. it's a, it's a scream film at yeah. that point you're just like eh. Whatever. Tom, you say I went with it. Like, that's a shock. Like, I don't know. What would you not go with? Like, I don't it's know. rewatching this. So I saw it in the cinemas when it came out, which is crazy oh. for me as a coward, but I did. Yeah, right. boy. I know. Um, but, like, again, having only seen the first screen, mm. I'm, I'm fairly confident I'd only seen the first one. I hadn't seen two or three. Right. And then I saw four, and I enjoyed it. Having since watched two and three, and then I have, I think I've seen four now three times. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate it more because, like, yeah. you get the whole, you know, the fact they're up to stab seven. <laughs> yeah. Which I, that cold open is mm, beautiful. Love it. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Look, I actually really like, I know that that copped a bit of flack where people are like, all right, pull it back a bit there, Craven. You're being too meta now. I I thought the same. I'm like, no, nah, why the fuck not? Like, it's, I think it, what it does for me really well, where like all the, all the cinema sins of, of three where it like wasn't treat like it so often didn't feel like a full screen movie because it was missing those meta horror elements where this one's like, hey, guess what? We're back. Johnny Screams is back. We're doing it. We're doing it right this time. Like I loved it. I thought, yeah, I thought it was really good. Yeah, I, I, I love them. Boys, I love them. Mm. I can't believe this podcast has led me to say that, but it has. <laughs> it's it's again. It's like when we talk about a Del Toro, and you're like, he just loves mm. movies. Wes, he just loves horror movies. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. You can see it. Yeah, and I also another thing I really like about this film, and again, like the one thing I liked about three, how Nev Nev Campbell's character was like. The events of the previous one had affected where she was in her current day. I love that. That's the case for this town where they're kind of like celebrating this horrible murder that took place and like the kids are like having these stab watch alongs and they've put up all the um ghost face masks around town like that just rings 
horribly true to me. Like, I think, yeah, I I could see that. Like, yeah. give it a generation and they would. And so, I think especially for a movie that is talking about reboots and revisiting previous iterations of this story, to have that acknowledgement of the previous stories and have it play out and think about how has this affected the world, the setting of our of our story is great. Like, of, like you need that stuff. It gives a level of authenticity that for the rest of the kookiness, I can happily buy into. Yeah, one of the things I, I do like is some people do embrace it, but that suggestion as well, that she's almost selfish to come back to the town. Yeah. It's like yeah. when you come back here, bad things happen. People die. Yeah. yeah. Which I quite like. And also one of the, one thing I did quite like is that pretty simple plot device to keep her locked in the town, essentially. Mm. She can't leave, is that they plant evidence in her car. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. So now it's like, you can't go anywhere. We've got to... Make we got to investigate, sort of. Yeah, thing. yeah. That's so yeah. getting a getting ahead of a plot hole. Yeah, by just owning it, finding a solution. Yeah, presenting the solution before the problem even comes up. I still feel the same way I did about number three, in that I don't think Nev or Sydney. I don't think Sydney has an active enough or a big enough role in the actual story. Right. For someone who is the face of a franchise, yeah, yeah. for half of the films in the franchise we've watched now, I think she's a bit passive. She doesn't really actually affect much i would argue that's done with intent though like yeah uh so she's obviously playing babysitter to what we think again you got to think about the fact that we're to us they're rebooting the franchise they're setting up a new final girl as far as we know scream 5 is going to be about this new cast of characters and the old ones will move away it was supposed to be yeah well yeah but then i love that at the end they're like no fuck you you thought you're going to take me like take my spot like how they even i can't remember what the line is there's a line somewhere towards the end where she's towards the her last line of the film is don't fuck with the original yes perfect <laughs> thank you tom so like to me it's like it's setting you up to think oh okay we're getting reboot and then no don't fuck with the original we're keeping mm. nev we're keeping it so i i agree like i love seeing nev on screen and she's mostly playing babysitter a lot for this movie but i do think there's at least been some thought behind it a bit of intent they changed that ending late oh wow really okay yeah, it works pretty well it works pretty well i think the ending was jill in the back of an ambulance, and then uh-huh. someone comes out and tells her, or she overhears that Sydney's still alive or something. And that was going to be like a cliffhanger ending and lead into a five and a six. Oh, okay. And the, and one idea they threw around was that Sydney was, because of her injuries in this one, yeah. was going to have maybe like amnesia or something, and she couldn't remember that Jill was the killer. Oh, I'm so glad they didn't go for that. Route. Yeah, so they, they, yeah. they took the better path. Yeah. yeah. I do love that sequence, though, when Dewey reveals that, like, just because, again, David Arquette, beautiful acting at this point. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. he's so full of hope and joy. Yeah. And you're just like, like even though we shouldn't be, you're on Emma Roberts' side. You're like, oh, you went through all that. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, even when Dewey's deli- when he's talking to her in the bed, I'm like, does somehow he know, and this is him acting to sort of get her into a false sense of superior. Like, <laughs> too much too much credit. I know, it's way too much. I'm like, she, she might walk into the room, try to kill Neve, uh, try to kill Sydney, but no, it was all a setup to prove she was the killer. No, I'm giving way too many levels, like multiple levels of credit there that is not deserved. Instead, Dewey cops a fucking bedpan to the face about six times in a row. And the only the only reason he realizes this because he's relaying the story to Gail when he's like, they've got matching shoulder wounds, and she's like, Yeah, oh, how does she know I got stabbed in the shoulder? Yeah, uh, rookie error, right. rookie <laughs> error. And then several long seconds while it transmutes in his brain. He's like, oh, <laughs> I love him. Love him. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. 
Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply, not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. All right, where are we scared? Yeah, there's some jump scares in this one. No. All right, fuck you then, Sean. <laughs> that's okay. No, no, that's a no from you, Sean. No, nah, no. Um, and again, it may have been a bit of residual carryover from three where I was just right. a little bit like, I think I'm done with this franchise to some extent. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it didn't It didn't really grab me. At this yeah. point, I just find it a little bit silly, nearly. Mm-hmm. Not as silly as the third one, but it still just had that sort of effect on me. Right. Yeah, look, I, I think I'm more with Tom. Some of the jump scares definitely because... I think they're done really well in this one. There was some real cheapy jump scares in three, like we talked about with the dreams yeah. with their mum. That's just bullshit. But in this one, they, I, you just knew they were as Again, when jump scares work well, you can preempt them. You know they're coming, but you don't know when they're coming. So there is still sort of that edge of your seat sort of moments. And then what you mentioned earlier, Tom, about liking these characters. Like I really, I liked a lot of these characters. Yeah. I st- it still kind of gave you enough of the sense of, oh, it could be anybody, but- when we lost characters, I, I gave a shit. Unlike the first one where you're like, oh, thank God we're close to the end of this. Uh, the third one, yeah, where we're close to the end of this movie. Every time we, we see a body. So, like, yeah, like Hayden Penitet's character, I was like, oh, that like that one really did feel like a stab in the guts to me. Partially because I just was so pissed off at Culkin for stabbing her. Like, you bloody dog. Like... He's angry that she's into him. Like, what a dickhead. He's a fuckwit. He's a total fuckwit. And then same for the other movie guy. He was a goofus. I, I liked him. He was filming everything <laughs> on this dumb headset. He was all right. There's, there's, yeah, there's, that's the thing, I think, is you get the fear back again because the stakes are, oh, I don't want the people that I've kind of enjoyed the performances. And there's some nice set pieces too. That beat with um, Dewey is watching... Uh, Gail in the barn and she's got the mm. camera behind her so yeah, he yeah, can yeah, see yeah. what's behind her and she's looking at that's ah great little moment of like stressful tension redoing that yeah, beat yeah. from the first film what year did this movie come out do you guys know 2010 or 11 i think it was yeah right yeah. so yeah we've got a good decade on it it was amazing to see like the tech that they were using at that time and even like the in that in the um opening scenes where they're like oh a facebook killer like this is some radical idea uh it was lovely it was kind of like oh look at you guys that's uh, that's, cute. that's cute i love though that even by this movie facebook's outdated because someone's like it would be yeah. twitter if it was 
was now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right. Did our characters act wisely or foolishly? Uh, it's probably a mixed bag. I yeah. want to. I want to bring up Jill. Like even Jill's whole motive mm. is it wise? I don't think so. Her whole thing is like she's jealous of the fame, right? Or the in, the infamy that Sydney has because of what has happened in her life. Yeah. and she's like, I want to get me some of that, and it's like. Use your brain, dipshit. Right. Sydney's had a fucking horrible life. Yeah, yeah, Like a yeah. terrible, terrible life. Yeah. Where now, this movie's 15 years after the, like, original events. Mm. And Sydney's only sort of just now started to, like, she's got the self-help book and she's starting right. to, like, move on a bit. Mm. It's like, this character doesn't have a fucking brain. She's just a dipshit teenager. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing, Sean. She will not have a terrible life in her mind because the, pro- the reason Sydney's had a terrible life is because a killer has come after her. Mm. But if she is the killer... Two birds, one stone, baby. Yeah, but she's forgetting she is the killer now. She's not the original killer that came after Sydney. She's one that is inspired by that killer. What's to stop someone being inspired by her and coming after her? Right. Like, it's just dumb. It's stupid. She's a killer. She'll fuck that killer up. Ah, she won't. Well, she might. But she's painted a big target on her back for any other psychos out there who basically want this. the other versions of her that want the same thing. I'll I'll get a rush by killing her. True. Nah, look, I'll, I'll concede. Yeah. Um... What about Culkin, who just lets himself get stabbed by his psycho girlfriend? Yeah, he's an idiot too, but at that point, yeah. the movie is just in that frame of mind of like, oh, we've just got to upend anything we've developed with a character just to suit out, suit the end, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I didn't I didn't hate it. I, I thought her stabbing him, you're like, yeah, from what we just saw of this crazy yeah. character. She's dumb. She would do it. She would do it, yeah. But, like, also, how dumb does he have to be to at least have some suspicion? Like, Is it just horny? I don't know. He just, okay, yeah. Well, I think it's a bit horny, but also, you know, he's thinking that they're like the originals, mm. like Billy and Stu, because they stabbed one another. And But look what happened there. <laughs> do, well, no, do we not remember that Billy stabs Stu way too deeply yeah. and he's like am I supposed to be bleeding this? <laughs> Nobody learns from the past. No. They're just idiots. No. But that's true of life. Yeah. So whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well done Wes. Sean it absolutely is. <laughs> Williamson strikes again. <laughs> Dewey just an idiot all the time. So like that one's arguably shouldn't even be on the table but I just want to everything he does is so dumb. There was one line where he's like doing the press conference and he says we're very close to having this whole situation under control. And you're like, oh, great. This is so goofy. We're about to see a body. Cue body. Body falls. Dewey, you big fucking piece of idiot. Like, <laughs> love to see it. Oh, love to now, see it. while we're talking about people who make some dumb choices, mm. speaking of that body, Alison <laughs> Bree, in that entire car park sequence, makes the worst choice at every opportunity. Gets out of the car like a moron. One, gets out of the car. Two, yells at the car driving past from her car instead of hitting the horn. Right, yes, of Over course. and over again. Like, at least do something. Like, yeah, your brakes have been cut, but you're in a car, you have a mobile phone. Like, yeah. just be a bit better. Yeah. All right, how would we do in this situation? So one of us is a killer. I that Yeah, to me, I'm like... All right, I think it's at the point of the franchise where we are the screams now. We're the Johnny screams. Like, I think that's the answer for us this time. You can be the killer, Tom. You film nerd, and I'll fucking kill you because I'm, <laughs> I'm sick of this shit, Ghostface. I'd honestly, I'd like to fight Ghostface. <laughs> yeah, look, we know they're goofy as fuck. Do you reckon you could so- take Ghostface? Yeah, of course. I reckon you could do Any variation Absolutely. of Ghostface, definitely. Yeah. It must be, like, just think. Think about visibility in that mask. Yeah. All you got to do is move around, and suddenly they're just <laughs> like, uh, they become even more clumsy. Yeah. They're just idiots. And in this scenario, your Ghostface, there's still two of us. Damo and I will just take you down easy. That's true. We've got the power of numbers. It's true. 
It's I don't true. fear Ghostface. I just think he's a dumb fuck. No matter who is playing him, he's just a dipshit. <laughs> Sean, I love that this section started with you telling me that yeah. I would be Ghostface yeah, exactly and has right. then been followed up with like, whoever is Ghostface, doesn't matter who they are, they are the biggest fucking idiot yeah. of all time. <laughs> Tom, you're Ghostface. <laughs> yeah. Tom, you're Ghostface uh, and here's why you're dumb and here's why I've got to fucking kill you. But yeah, no, I stand oh, by and I would kill Ghostface. Okay, great. Okay, great. <laughs> I, yeah, I look, I think out of every supernatural horror entity, Ghostface is, feels doable. Ghostface yeah. feels beatable every time. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, so, like, obviously, the thing with Ghost, Ghostface in, in all the good screen movies is that there's actually two of them. Mm. Yeah. But again, it depends if Tom's going to betray us or not. But at least Sean and I, if we, if we can have a bit of trust in each other, cool. One for one. Yeah. We'll take those odds. Yeah. I'm going to prey on your fear. And I'm going to convince you that the other one is Ghostface. Well, I don't know if I'll believe that for sure. I wouldn't believe it either. You t- you, you're going to try and tell me that Damo is Ghostface. It's always the one you least expect, yeah. Sean. But it wouldn't be. I would, To be honest, at that point, I would just start stabbing you to shut you up. Like, <laughs> don't you dare poison my friendship, you Ghostface fuck. And then, and then Damo would walk in. I'd be like, oh, it's Ghostface. He's stabbing me. And Damo has the evidence of what he's seeing in front of his face. <laughs> in that he is also Ghostface and you're both killing me. <laughs> cool. Then Sean and I are the new Johnny Screams. I'm happy with that. Um, yeah, look, I don't think I'll buy that for sure. You might like tell me Paddington's Ghostface. I'm not going to believe it, man. Can't be Paddington dumb. could be Ghostface. He could pull it off. Oh, he'd be such a cute Ghostface. Imagine if your phone rang and it was just like, uh, what's your favorite scary movie? <laughs> 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 this like Paddington. They've already clocked life with Paddington Two. It is the best film ever made, arguably. Yeah. Yep. I just want Paddington now to be inserted into other like genres of films. Oh. Like a Paddington in in a scream in a horror type scenario yeah. would be great. Put him in everything. Yeah, but he still plays the same role yes. where he turns everyone nice. Yes. yes. So you have this broken town Woodsboro. He comes in and convinces Johnny Scream to stage a musical. Like, yep. yes. Yes, sure. Yep. <laughs> I would love oh, it. I love it. That's beautiful. Put him in everything. That's how you reboot James Bond, Paddington. <laughs> I'll have a marmalade shake and not stir <laughs> Paddington could honestly be Q in the yeah. new Bond. Well, he is Q. Same actor. <laughs> yeah. Just, just keep yeah. him, but have him be Paddington. Yeah. Man. You, you go to open your gadget bag and it's just marmalade sandwiches. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except, Tom, I think it'd be, I'll have a marmalade sandwich, triangles, not rectangles. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Fucking perfect. Hell. Would he have a little suit on, a little tuxedo, or is he still in his, like, blue plastic No, he's got, a, he's got a tuxedo, but he's still got the red hat. Yeah, oh. and the tuxedo's got to be blue. It's got to be the colours of his stuff, though, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's lovely. Yeah, 100%. Oh, I love any any episode of Skeddy Boys that finishes with Paddington Talk. They're always my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all the Skeddy Talk we have for this episode, or Paddington Talk we've had for this episode. I've been Damien. I've been Sean. I've been Tom. And if you Skeddy listeners have any comments or would like to say hi, you can email us at 3 at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at Skeddy Boys or individually, I'm at Midday Pajamas. I'm at Carney from 55. And I'm a big dumb fuckhead because I'm Ghostface. <laughs> Stay scared, everyone. <laughs> Hey, maybe David Arquette needs to fuck himself.